you will please stand with me at the reading of God's Word. Psalm 4. Verses 4 and 5 is, is where we will concentrate this morning, but I'm going to read the whole psalm just to give us a sense of where David is, or what David is talking about in Psalm chapter 4. David says, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for Himself. The Lord hears when I call to Him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Selah. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. You may be seated. Last week, we asked the question, are you right to be angry? And this week, the title of the sermon is, are you ready to be angry? Are you ready to be angry? When I shared that with a brother last week, he said, I'm never ready. That's the problem. Anger just kind of comes upon me in an instant. Isn't that your experience? Are you ready to be angry? Well, one response to that is, I don't want to be angry. How can I, why, why would you encourage me to get ready for anger when that's the last thing I want to be? The reason I encourage you to be ready to be angry is because of what David says in Psalm 4, verse 4. Be angry and do not sin. In other words, this is a command, not just from a man, but from God Himself to be angry, but not to sin. I want you to understand that the emphasis in that phrase is on the last half. It is not to sin. The the emphasis in this this verse is not that that God is glad when our hearts are angry, but rather the focus is on not sinning when we are angry. Now, there is an assumption, though, in this verse that anger in itself is not always sin. You can be angry and not sin. When you think about anger, I want to remind you of what we talked about last week. Immediately what, what, what comes to mind when we think of people who have an anger problem, they're thinking of the person who shouts, who slams doors, who's violent. That's not the way God talks about anger. You're angry, and I'm angry. Maybe not this second, but we we struggle with the problem of anger. You should think about anger as, as that experience you have when things don't go your way. 
Whatever that is, whatever, whatever you act out in that moment, that's what you look like when you're angry. It's when life doesn't go your way. And you can be angry and not sin. That's really last week's sermon. Are you right to be angry? We, we walked through three rules. Well, you're only right when you're angry if you are angry about sin, if you are focused on God and not yourself, and if you express that anger in the ways that God wants and not in, in selfish and sinful ways. This, this week, in verses 4 and 5, I think David is laying out for us an anger action plan. It's a step-by-step process on how we can be angry and not sin against God. And if you're going to be ready to be angry, it's being ready to do these four things. Are you ready to be angry? Well, you better be. Not only because it's coming, but you need to be ready for anger so that you don't sin against God in your anger. That's the sermon in a sentence. Be ready for anger so you don't sin in your anger. Here's four steps straight from the Lord that we should walk through when anger comes and it comes often. Step number one is be ready to ponder. Be ready to ponder. You see that? Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts, on your beds. Are you ready now that I say the word ponder? Some of y'all are looking at me like you don't even know what that word means never heard such a thing. Uh, it's not something we do much, is it? I mean, we, we have these devices in our pockets, if they're in our pockets at all. They're often just right in front of our face at all times. We are used to filling our life with distractions. We're not good with settling down and thinking and pondering. The moment we get bored, we reach for something. We've noticed with, with one of our children that they often say, I'm hungry. Um, we've, we've, we've realized that not around mealtimes, but when, when that person is bored, we've seen this habit that they immediately start saying, I'm hungry. We want to fill all the boredom and, and not with thinking. We turn on Netflix or whatever. But if you are going to not sin against God when you're angry, you need to learn to ponder. And I trust that when I say, if you don't want to sin against God when you're angry, that I'm talking to people who don't want to sin against God ever. That is a sign that you are a Christian. One of the most important things about you is that you never want to offend God. That you make it your aim to please Him in everything. Ponder is so unfamiliar a practice, we need to define the word. 
Ponder literally means to say to yourself or to meditate about the anger in this sense, uh, in, in this, in this passage. It's, it's to meditate upon, to stop everything and meditate upon what is really happening right now and what is true right now. You gotta stop everything and ponder that or you're gonna be misled. You need to ponder the moment you start to feel anger or disappointment that your life is not going right now as you want it to. You need to stop and say, what does God say about this? Ponder is what God was trying to get Cain to do when Cain was angry. We read this last week. Cain is very angry, Genesis 4 says, whenever God accepts Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's sacrifice, and the Lord says, why? He wants him to stop and think, why are you angry? And he wants him to, to ponder, if you do what is right, I will accept you, won't I? But if you don't do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. He wants him to ponder, you're in great danger right now. You're angry. And sin is crouching at the door. It's about to pounce. If you open that door of anger, more sin will follow. God tried to get Cain to ponder in his anger and instead Cain murdered in his anger. I wonder if you've ever thought about this point. Genesis 3 is when Sin and rebellion and lack of trust in God enters into the world. And it was only one page later where anger, the word anger is first used in the Bible. And it only took three more verses before murder was committed. Sin comes in and the first sin we witness is anger. And three verses later, we have the first murder. You need to ponder whenever you're angry because if you don't stop everything and start thinking, you will have this thing play out in destructive ways. God wants us to stop everything the moment we start this disappointment or this frustration when life's not going right. For this reason, He wants us to stop it because anger mutates quickly. It quickly becomes far worse than it was. And at the end of that road is always murder. It's not just my observations as a Bible student of Genesis 4. This is also what the Lord Jesus Christ says in Matthew chapter 5. He said, you have heard it said, you shall not murder but I say to you, if you are angry with your brother, you are liable to the fires of hell. He says, the moment you say that someone is a fool, just calling them that name. There are a lot of worse names out there. But Jesus says, the moment you call someone a fool, you deserve hell. Because that kind of angry expression leads to murder. He says you're guilty of murder in your own heart if you've done it. 
What you all need to understand, however you express your murder or your anger, whatever, however you do that, you need to view your anger not as something that's okay, not as something that is safe, but like an icy mountain highway. Whenever Kelly and I were first dating, uh, I, I went with her to Colorado, where she's originally from, to meet her grandmother. And, and we went through the Rocky Mountains, and it was snowing. And I saw something that I had never seen before, being from a flat state, that there's rarely ever any snow. I, I saw as we were driving down a mountain on a highway, all of a sudden there were these steep hills on the side of the road right off the highway. And it said something like, it didn't say this, but it said something like truck bailout lane. If you've driven in a place like that, maybe you know what I'm talking about. Whenever it's icy out on these highways in a, in a, in a big heavy truck, if it were barreling down that highway and it lost control and couldn't break, they could pull over off the highway and go up this hill, and, and it would be the one thing that could slow them down, that could keep them safe, that would keep others safe. And over the years, I've learned that if you're driving in, in ice, there's something you do even before you go on the bailout lane. The first thing you do, if it's slick out, is you turn off cruise control. Because if you're doing cruise control like I often am, and it's snowy or slick out, the moment your car starts to skid, it will also start to accelerate to maintain the speed, and then you'll really lose control. Are you ready to be angry? Ponder. Think rightly about anger. And this is what Jesus Christ would say to you about your anger the moment you start feeling it, is that anger is an icy mountain highway. We always think we can handle it. We never think we're hurting anyone. No one thinks they're going to become a murderer. But the firstborn son, born to the people who walked with God, became a murderer. So, the moment you're angry, you need to turn off cruise control. I bet every single one of you, let me just make a prediction, every single one of you, like me, has cruise control when you're angry. And it, it is what you do 99% of the time that you're angry. It's just an automatic plan that's written nowhere. But this is how you act. And it, if you won't turn that off, you will be led down more sin and more danger. It won't stop there. You need to turn off cruise control. Stop doing what's automatic to you. You've got to slow down. And this is impossible apart from God's help. But this is why I'm telling you this right now. You also need to immediately bail out immediately get off the highway of anger because it may start up here 
but it's descending. And it's descending quickly. And you won't be able to stop yourself. What starts with a word leads to killing the very people you're supposed to love. My guess is you won't kill someone in your life. But there are people who do that. My guess also is that you've already said things in your life that you regret saying. You've already done things in your life that you regret doing. And if we don't bail out and get off the highway of anger immediately, stop everything, then we will say and do things we can never take back. Even if we don't get to the end of the highway and kill someone. My guess is the the things that you remember that have hurt you most in your life were because someone kept going in their anger. If you don't want to be someone who does and says things you can never take back to the people you love the most, you need to get you need to get wise about anger and get off the highway. Ponder. That's what you need to do first. In your own hearts, on your beds. That is to say, beloved, stop processing your anger publicly. Get off your phone. Whether you're on social media or you're calling your mama. You don't need to talk to her. You don't need to talk to them. Don't do this publicly in your own beds. Ponder in your own hearts. That's the only, it's the only thing you're vocalizing. It's in your own hearts. That means get out of their face who made you angry. Stop talking to them. And when he says ponder in your own hearts on your own beds, he's doing, he's saying more than just sleep on it. He's saying, think deeply on it. Before you go to sleep, think deeply on it with God's help. Ponder, what have I done in this situation? And you won't be able to answer that just by yourself. You need God to be speaking to you in your own beds, in your hearts. You need to ask, am I I acting right now in the flesh or am I acting in the spirit? What they did to you to hurt you to make you angry is no excuse for you committing a single sin against God. It doesn't excuse you doing anything that God doesn't want you to do to those other people. You have to walk by the Spirit. Am I focused right now on God or on me? And why am I really angry? Let me encourage you just to get in the habit of asking those questions. Ponder in your own hearts. Why am I really angry? And then, and then get, get in the habit of writing out three reasons why I'm angry. And then mark out the first two. Because what you immediately say, why are you so angry right now? I'm not angry, I'm just frustrated. It's because you did this. That's not real. It's not the real reason. You see, when you're angry, you immediately have a slick defense attorney right by your side, Defending all the reasons why. 
They're wrong and you're right. You need to not believe the first several reasons you give. Anger is what you experience when life does not go your way and you're typically not right about the reason you're angry in the moment of anger. I want to share with you, I think this, I think this will be helpful, the three real reasons most people are angry. Here are the three real reasons most people are angry. In my experience as a counselor and pastor, someone may come into my office and say, this is why I'm angry. I ask some questions. And, and often, what we'll get to is one of these three real reasons people are angry. Number one, unmet desire. Unmet desire. Remember this from last week? Jonah wanted God to kill the Ninevites. That's what he desired. God didn't give it. And he was very displeased. Because his desire didn't go the way that he wanted. Think about that king in the book of Esther when he asked his queen to come to him and she did not come and he became enraged and his anger burned within him. He had a desire and it was unmet. And that will often be the reason why you're actually angry. I want what I want and I cannot get it. The second real reason most people are angry is that their reputation has been offended. Their reputation has been offended. Another way to put this is you want people to think something about you and they don't. Or you want to, you're trying to use the circumstance of your life to get them to think something about you and you're failing to be able to do that. That's what Cain experienced in Genesis chapter 4. I want God to think well of me, better better of me than my brother. And he doesn't. His reputation was offended. Even King David, the man with a heart like God's in 1 Samuel chapter 25, when this fool of a man hears that David is coming and the fool says, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? In other words, I don't know his reputation. Who is he to me? You know how David reacted to that? It says in verse 13, every single soldier strap on your sword. Our desires don't get met. Our reputation gets offended. And third, we lose control or we can't get control of something. This is Nebuchadnezzar's famous reason for being angry. He had these prophets in Daniel chapter 7 or these magicians or whatever who he said, tell me what this dream means. And in Daniel, excuse me, Daniel chapter 2, he, uh, th- they say, no one can guess what your dreams mean. And it says the king was angry and very furious. One chapter later, those three Hebrew boys wouldn't bow down to his golden statue and Uh, the king was in a furious rage against them. Then when he throws them in that furnace and then he sees them dancing around, he hasn't quite killed them. It says that Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. When we want to control something, when we want something to happen and it doesn't go according to our plans, 
That is a major reason why we're angry. And I want you to understand that not being able to get what you want, that's unmet desire. Not being thought of the way you want to be, that is a reputation that's been offended. And not being able to control the world around you, that lack of control. Those are not sins against God. Those don't, those don't pass the very first test of righteous anger. You can only be angry about sins against God. Those are rivalries with God. Only He does what He pleases and gets what He wants. Only He deserves for everyone to see how great He is. And only He can control this world. So the main reasons we're angry are actually ways in which we are proud and trying to be God. Anger is what you experience when life does not go the way that you want. And here is our greatest problem. And this is why we're often angry. Because we want to be God. We want to be God. We want to do what only He can do. We want to get what only He deserves. That is sin. And the more we strive in our life to be God of our life, the more angry we'll be. Because none of us is God. And we will experience that inability to get what we want over and over again. If you're a Christian, let me encourage you that even in the moments of anger, you can be instructed. In the moment when you did not get what you desired, when you're not getting the reputation that you think you deserve, when you're not able to control your life, let that anger be a reminder, you're right, I'm not God. And that's good for me to admit. And there is a God. And He's better at that job than I am. Be ready for anger so you don't sin in anger. Ponder. Step two is be ready to be silent. You see that in verse four. Be silent. There is this allusion uh, to our psalm in Ephesians chapter four. Do you remember when Paul says this to the church in Ephesus? He says, be angry and do not sin. And then he says this famous Phrase that we're familiar with when it comes to anger. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. I want to encourage you who have understood Ephesians chapter 4 to mean we better not let the night finish before we hash this out. Let me encourage you to follow Psalm 4 before you go to Ephesians 4. In other words, don't skip over this command to ponder and be silent. What Ephesians 4 is communicating to us is that when we're angry, we need to be urgent and don't wait on it. Don't let it fester because the devil will get in there and make it much worse. What Paul is trying to communicate in Ephesians 4 is to do something immediately and urgently when you're angry. Before the night's up, don't don't wait to deal with this. Start dealing with it. And the first thing you need to do is ponder and then you need to be silent.
And I would say, this step in my experience and my own life with my own anger, this is the single most important step. And it is the hardest step. And that is to stop talking. Stop talking. If you're angry, stop talking. Don't talk about them who you're angry at. Don't talk about them to yourself. Don't think about them. Don't keep rehearsing the offense over and over in your mind. And don't talk about them to others. God says, be silent. Be silent. That also means don't listen to yourself. Don't listen to your angry self and all the lies that you're going to tell yourself about your life or or God or whatever. Be silent. You need to listen first. And the one you need to be listening to is God. Be silent. And, and the moment you start speaking, the first one you speak to is not yourself or to them, but it is to God. I want to encourage you that we're all making disciples. Maybe we're not making disciples of Jesus Christ. Maybe what you're doing is you're leading and teaching other people to follow just you. Like you can't say imitate me right now as I'm imitating Christ. But instead, you are Encouraging by your example, the children in your house, the people at work, your spouse, you are teaching them how to handle life. You're teaching them and discipling them on how to handle things when life doesn't go their way. What you do teaches them. This is what you should do when you're angry. So listen to me, parents. Listen to me, married people. Listen to me, friends. Disciple others to be faithful to God when they're angry by being silent the moment you get angry. So that when they're they're getting angry, they'll have that example of someone who just zips it, opens up their Bible, and just starts praying, listening and praying. When you are hurt or when you are angry, do not speak, or else you will sin against God, you will deceive yourself, you will deceive and you will hurt others. Be silent. Can I give some advice to you? Whenever someone you love is angry. It's just very natural. Just think about it. When you're, when someone is angry or hurt, the most natural thing is not this. Because God's not likely to speak audibly to people when they're angry. What, what's most natural when you're angry and you're hurt is to find someone who will comfort you. So when your loved ones are angry or hurt, they're going to look naturally to people 
And you need to believe this, that what is best for the person I love is for them to obey God. And if they refuse to be silent when they're angry, you need to believe they are in danger. They are in spiritual danger. And they may not just be a danger to themselves, they may harm others. You need to, you need to be wise if your strength is compassion. If you're someone who's high in compassion, and you feel for people who are hurt, the more careful you need to be on this step. Compassion is wonderful. God does not want His people being unfeeling toward those who are hurt. So, so the, the kind of masculinity or coldness that says, just suck it up, that's not godly. But you've got to be comp- careful with compassion. You've got to be careful with compassion. If you seem to be the person that all the angry people in your life like to talk to, if you've developed, and this, this will become like a drug to you, everyone loves to tell me when they're hurt. Everyone loves to come to me when they're, hang- they're angry. I've got this listening compassion here. If that's you, just understand the danger. Believe that God is telling them to be silent. You don't be telling them to speak up. That is not compassion. That is not good friendship. That is support of rebellion. That is telling a friend to accelerate down the icy mountain. Don't do it. Be ready for anger so you don't sin in anger. Be silent. Step number three be ready to sacrifice. Be ready to sacrifice. Sacrifice, you see that in verse 5. Offer right sacrifices. The sacrifice is something you give to God that is costly to you because you believe He is worthy of you giving it to Him, of you spending of yourself. That's what a sacrifice is. And there are angry people around the psalmist David right now. And notice in verse 5, they must be offering sacrifices. But he corrects them and says, offer the right ones. You're not offering the right ones. And this is where our anger often goes wrong. When we are convinced that we are giving to God what He wants in our anger. That we're actually honoring God in our anger. And we need someone to come around and say, nope, what you're offering God is wrong. You need to offer what is right to Him. It's so wise for for David to be speaking to the people that he's speaking to originally and saying, offer right sacrifices. In other words, offer the things to God that God actually has said in Scripture that He wants from you. Because if they give themselves to offering right sacrifices... It would guard their heart from ruining what would start out as righteous anger. So I want you to just think about the, the right sacrifices in David's day. There was the whole burnt offering. If we take an animal and don't keep anything back, you just give the whole thing on the altar and let it all burn. It was supposed to represent all of me is devoted to you. I'm not withholding anything. 
So when he says offer right sacrifices, when they think of that one, they would be reminded whenever I'm angry, I need to be ready to offer to God all of me. That means not any of my mind is thinking of anything that's untrue or sinful. That means I don't do anything with my body in this moment of anger that God would not approve of. Or anything with my heart, but all of me is offered to you. They also had a sin offering. When he says offer right sin or right sacrifices, they would remember the sin offering. And that's when, when, when David is basically reminding them, you're guilty. And if you offer right sacrifices, you'll offer the, the sacrifices that say, I'm guilty. Confess your own fault. And that's what you need to be focused on when you're angry. There's also a peace offering. And if they will, even in the midst of their anger, stop everything and then offer right sacrifices and offer the peace offering, that would be a good reminder to them. I am supposed to not only pursue fellowship with God, but even now when I'm angry, I need to pursue fellowship with other people. That's why he can say in Ephesians chapter four, be angry and do not sin. And then just a few verses later, say, put away all anger from you. If any of your anger is sinful and breaks fellowship with others. Get rid of that so that you can do the next verse, which is to be kind to them, to be tenderhearted, and to forgive as God in Christ forgave us. When you're angry, ponder, be silent, and sacrifice. Turn the focus from what you deserve in that moment to what I need to give to God, because that's what I owe Him. Be ready for anger so you don't sin in anger. Sacrifice. But step four, and finally, is be ready to trust. Are you ready to be angry? Be ready to ponder. Be ready to be silent. Be ready to sacrifice. And then, he says in verse five, and put your trust in the Lord. This is why when you're angry, one of the things you need most is preaching. It's not just sitting in your bed with your Bible open. It's also hearing preaching because trust comes by hearing the word of Christ. Romans 10 says. If you're going to trust in the Lord, you need to hear about Christ over and over, not just from yourself. You need to be ready when you're angry, to not trust you. There may be really wrong things that you're angry about, and you better not trust you to make it right. You need to believe that your solutions that you're coming up with cannot be trusted. That you don't know how to fix it. And that more than likely you're part of the problem. Trust defers, it waits, it looks away from self to someone else. So be ready when you're angry to not trust you and also to not trust them. Like those people you're angry at or those circumstances you're not happy about. Don't, don't place your trust if they will just change or if my circumstances will just change then things will get better. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say put your trust in that. He says put your trust in 
the Lord. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, before He died on the cross, He obeyed Psalm 4. When His life was not going the way that He wanted, when He prayed in Gethsemane, is there any other way that this can happen, that salvation of sinners can happen apart from me dying on the cross? And clearly God's answer is no. He's having to face what He would not choose to face on His own, but He trusts the Lord and He walks in it. And the Bible says, when He was experiencing that, He trusted the Lord. When He was reviled, 1 Peter 2 says, He did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. Instead of those things, he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. That means when he was on the cross bearing our sins in his body, he was saying, I don't have to make this right. Because the just judge is going to make it right. And the sinless Son of God, when he died, On the third day, the just judge raised him from the dead and made it right so that Jesus now can save sinners and turn them away from their sin and toward righteousness from His cross work, but also from the example that He walked in. This is why you should focus on trusting in Jesus when you're angry and not trusting in yourself because of how trustworthy He is when He was angry. And how untrustworthy you are. He saw all sins, including the sins of anger, and He suffered for it. Jesus is strong and kind. And if you're here, and you've got a life filled with sin, even if we just focus on the sin of anger, and you have hurt person after hurt person all behind you, if you've destroyed relationships by your anger, Jesus is kind. He is slow to anger in or even with those who are angry. And He will forgive you if you turn from your sin and trust in Him. That's why He died on the cross. Trust is ultimately what He is after. Trust is what we lost when sin came. When you're angry, the only one you can trust is the Lord. Even if you're right to be angry and you're convinced of it, don't you know in this moment that only He can be trusted to make it right? Don't you know that really He's the only one who knows how? And and really, He is the only one who knows when. Those are the things that we're constantly thinking about when we're angry. He's the one. Romans 12 commands, Beloved, never, never avenge yourself. Never act out in your anger to make something wrong right. But instead, leave that to the wrath of God. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Everyone who gets the death penalty does not get ultimately what they deserve. 
It's the wrath of God that is deserved for every sin. He still has anger and He's going to pour it out. Leave all anger to Him, knowing whatever measures needed, He's going to give it. And that He can make right what you should not and cannot. Beloved, Jesus is strong and kind. And so if you've struggled with anger as a child of God, like every child of God struggles, trust that Jesus is merciful and He has steadfast love even when you struggle with anger. So turn to Him and leave it with Him. Be ready for anger so you don't sin in anger. Ponder, be silent, sacrifice, and trust. Oh God, we come to you and pray that you would make us wise, make us men and women, boys and girls who aren't carried down the icy highway of anger toward our own destruction and the destruction of others, but instead who turn to you and are guarded from sin. We pray that you would help us and that you would make us those who love others and therefore want to help others. We ask this in Jesus' name.